0: Hello everyone, welcome to Made to Dream. I'm your host, Maya Chanel, and here we share stories from women around the world to inspire, educate, and encourage women to dream without limitations. Today, I have the ultimate pleasure of speaking with Ms. Becky Kakula, and she is a motivational speaker and disability, disability inclusion advocate. So we're so excited. You know, you guys, I'm always happy to just hear different stories from different women because we're all, we all have our own stories. So I'm excited to hear her stories today. So hi, Becky, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thank you. And how are you?
0: I'm awesome. So, you know, we like to open up the floor, anyone who's been listening in. Um, go ahead and allow the audience to know a little bit about you and what you do.
1: Hi everyone. So I am someone who has dwarfism, meaning that I stand four feet tall as an adult. And that's important information, especially in today's virtual world, but it also relates to the passion I have for advancing disability inclusion uh, throughout the world. I think people with disabilities have often been left behind, uh, behind other demographics when it comes to advancing inclusion. And I continue to try to show, by example, me living my everyday life. Overcoming obstacles that maybe some people may think are impossible and a lot of that in the positive outlook that I have is related to my upbringing. Parents who do not have dwarfism, who really wanted to just throw me into the world and say, (laughs) you're going to figure it out. (laughs) And they have given me the support from day one to Mm -hmm. let me go after things that I'm passionate about, chase my dreams, even though others may say, how could you let her do that? You're letting her go out and fall Mm -hmm. on her face. She's going to get into a lot of trouble. (laughs) But (laughs) I, I am forever grateful to just experience my life as someone with a physical difference in a world that wasn't quite made for me, but it's constantly problem solving and adapting however I can in any environment and I want to continue to make more people comfortable with the uncomfortable and interact in more authentic and organic ways with people with disabilities with people with dwarfism and I feel that one of the ways to do that is to continue to share my story.
0: I love it I love it you know I'm so interested always to see how anyone has been able to overcome different obstacles in their life and just create their own happiness, their own success, and their own pathway on their journey. So we want to know a little bit about um, different obstacles that you've been able to overcome in your life, on your journey.
1: Great question. Growing up, I did have several surgeries. It's kind of a part of someone with dwarfism, uh, Mm -hmm. we are are not always uh, built in the most symmetrical or way that uh, other people may be built. And uh, Mm -hmm. I had bow legs when I was younger. So I had leg surgery to straighten out my legs. And then I had bone put back in my legs when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And then When I was 15, I lost my ability to walk and I had to have seven pieces of my lower Mm -hmm. vertebrae removed. But one of the biggest challenges Mm -hmm. during that period in time was missing 29 days of school. I did not wanna fall behind. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be on track with the rest of my peers. And up until that point, I didn't really feel that I was different than them, uh, except for the fact that I did need to miss school for 29 days. Mm -hmm. And I would say, the surgery. I wasn't as scared about the surgery. I was more scared about falling behind. And I think just in general, falling behind in society, I think there's a lot of stigma around people who have to miss work because of medical procedures Mm -hmm. and that they're not going to get back on track and they're going to be constantly distracted. And then when I was going to college, I chose to go to a college where there was a little person in the cafeteria when I was going on a tour. And I thought, oh, at least Mm -hmm. this college has been exposed to one other little person. But when I got to my freshman dorm, I had been talking to my roommates that I was assigned to before going to school. And one of my roommates at the time said, like, you're great. We we get along great. But I never thought that I needed to tell her ahead of time that I had dwarfism. So we got to school and she freaked out. So six months of like trying to tell (laughs) her that I'm not going to come out and attack her and then we can be friends or we can at least be cordial. And I think there's a little bit of an assumption that Uh because we are short in stature that people need to help us with everything. But it was like I was willing to be as independent as possible. And then the the kind of the the most recent hurdle was kind of when I was entering the job market I sent out 1,000 resumes, went on 100 interviews, and every time I walked in the door, I was judged based on my appearance. Even though Mm -hmm. my resume got me in the door for those 100 interviews, I was not given an opportunity because there was so much fear. And I was trying to get rid of the elephant in the room, and nobody wanted to address the elephant in the room. And so I Mm -hmm. continue to dedicate my work to get people to address the elephant in the room before they get to the serious interview questions so someone can really show what they're capable of. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I totally understand. You know, that happens a lot in our society where we are the perfect candidate on paper, but then we're judged by our physical appearances. And I think that is is really reversed and it is wrong in our society. Like something has to change about that. And I don't even think that it's necessarily a society thing, but it's more of a personal thing with whoever is doing the hiring, mm-hmm. you know.
1: And I think people are most comfortable with people who look like themselves because those are the right. people in their inner circles in their everyday lives. So they're not willing mm. to kind of think outside the box.
0: No, most definitely. So it's like, even how you said, um, you know, you shouldn't have had to disclose that um, your disability with your roommates, you're, you're a regular person, like just because you may not look exactly like them, you still are fully capable. So it's like, you know, just accept everyone for who they are just because they don't look like you um, does not mean that they are any less. And I think that's what your story and, you know, you just being here is allowing us to be able to share with the world. Um, How would you say you've been able to overcome? I know there are many difficulties that you've gone through um, and keeping your mindset intact. How have you been able to keep up with that over time?
1: My dad always reminds me that like, it's okay to have a bad day, but try to get up the next day and be positive. And I try to take that advice, like in everyday life. I, I may be bummed out because someone may have mm-hmm. like made comments because especially when I'm in heavily populated areas, most likely at least one person's gonna make a comment uh, that I stand out from the crowd, whether it's right. a negative or positive observation, it happens. So I, mm-hmm. there are moments where it's just like, oh, that stung and maybe it'll sit with me for the day. But I've always Mm -hmm. tried to get up that next day and be like, it can be better tomorrow. It has the potential to be Mm -hmm. better tomorrow. And I think the more it has happened, the more I've been able to filter out. Because I also risk my safety if I react to the way that people are reacting to me. Because what if Mm -hmm. they get really mad because I'm like, no, like that's not nice for you to say that, but like, it could come Mm -hmm. off in a different tone and then... I'm stuck having to physically protect myself, which I'm not the greatest at. And (laughs) I I think sometimes ignoring helps people understand, especially people who may be in a crowd of friends, it may help Mm -hmm. them understand that that wasn't really nice. Like maybe their friends could remind them, like, did you really need to say that? And maybe it's a moment of reflecting like, oh, she's not bothered by it, so it's not gonna work if I keep trying to bug her Mm -hmm. about her difference
0: no definitely and it's like you know sometimes that happens for the best because you're able to make an even bigger impact because people are you know people are watching it it's a shocker and it gets people's attention so that makes your voice even louder than someone who stands in and fits in with the crowd so use your voice um how would you um i want to know a little bit more about how you stepped into the world of motivational speaking and how that has helped you on your journey, personally, um, career-wise, and just go ahead a, a little bit in depth on that.
1: Absolutely, I was working in Los Angeles. I grew up in Boston after college, went to Los Angeles. That's where I went on the hundred interviews. I then Mm -hmm. eventually after six months found a temporary job that then turned into a permanent job seven months later. So it was about a year Mm -hmm. before I got my foot in the door, but I was an assistant at a talent agency, then a television studio. And after that, I decided, you know what, this industry is all about image. And I really just don't feel like I have a place here. I'm going to move back home to Boston. Wasn't The best of times because I felt Mm -hmm. that it took me so long to get my foot in the door and then I'm like pivoting again. And I Mm -hmm. also was thinking, okay, I do want to pursue speaking in some way or another. I did start a Toastmasters club in college. So it was kind of always on my mind that I wanted to do public Mm -hmm. speaking. But I thought Mm -hmm. in my head that I had to be at a certain level of success in my career and being an assistant in the entertainment industry for six years wasn't really cutting it in my mind. But my sister is a creative writing teacher at a middle school and she said to me that her students wanted to meet me and i thought okay instead of just going to hang out at your school like wasting the day away why don't i make it productive and start sharing my story Mm -hmm. and i started learning that people actually wanted to hear my story so then Mm -hmm. i reached out to different rotary clubs like all these free speaking opportunities just to get practice and mm-hmm. it was about six months later, this was back in 2013, that I got my first paid speech. And I thought, wow, Love it. Are taking it seriously. <laughs> they asked me uh-huh. what great. rate. And I thought, oh, gosh, I got to make one up. And then since then, I have been to some meetings of parents of little people. Most parents of little people do not have dwarfism. So they're just trying mm-hmm. to navigate how school life will be for their children. And they asked me to come speak at some of their children's schools, so people could ask me the hard questions rather than that child. And this applies mm-hmm. usually when a child's transitioning from elementary to middle school, and they're going to see so many more people that they haven't met before. So if right. I can take the elephant out of the room by sharing my story, hope that hopefully that makes for a smoother transition. And then I was asked in November of 2013 to go to Kenya to help launch a little people organization. And by there. I also delivered a keynote speech and got my international uh, title for the speaking piece. Uh And then now, especially in a virtual world, I think I've been trying to figure out how to continue to spread the messaging. And it's amazing Mm -hmm. to think, even though these are difficult times, I've been able to the word out even further because people are paying Mm -hmm. attention on the internet right now i do Mm -hmm. like that human interaction as well so hope to get back to that someday but i think it's just finding every opportunity to practice sharing my story and i always give people the same advice like get out there because you never know who can be touched by your story
0: no definitely and i love how you know you took a leap you were you, you, it was so difficult for you to find this position um, after going all, the, all those 100 interviews, and then you found the space, and then you were kind of hesitant because you were like, wow, it took me so long to do this, but you took that leap of faith, even though you know that it might have been difficult, but in the end, it turned out way better for you. So I, I think that's a message in itself that everyone should learn.
1: Thanks. Hey. I agree. I think everyone should take a leap of faith. And I know, especially during these times, uh, people are going through a lot of financial difficulties and it may not always be possible, but don't give up your side passion that could eventually turn Mm -hmm. in. And I'll be honest and transparent that since 2012, I have only made enough in speaking to probably live off of for a year and that's total of eight years. So I think it's Mm -hmm. important to, and I know that takes me raising my rate and all those things, but I think it's important for people to know that you can have side opportunities and touch lives and it doesn't have to be the only job that you're doing. I think some people just go to that job that they don't like, but it's the means to the end, but find your passion that can be that fire while you're doing your day-to-day job that's paying the bills.
0: Definitely. I love it. I love it. Um, So Let's talk a little bit about, I haven't asked this question in a while, different versions of success. I know that you've had to overcome different difficulties in your life. So how has your version of success or your definition of success changed over the years as you've blossomed into the person that you are today?
1: I think I was just so caught up on the title piece when I started speaking that, oh, my only job title is assistant at a talent Mm -hmm. agency in a television studio who's going to want to listen to me and then I think I started envisioning like what if we take out the titles and what if we realize that me at the assistant level can still have a connection with someone at the partner level and same goes with interaction with celebrities and people with disabilities. There's so much fear around interacting with people who are in different categories, whether it's mm-hmm. socioeconomic class or title in a position or difference. And mm-hmm. if you start thinking about everyone being human first, and everyone has a story to tell, no matter what their title mm-hmm. may be, I think there have been a lot of movements around the thought of, even when you go to a networking event, don't just immediately ask someone what they do. Maybe find like, what what drives you?
0: What's your why? What do you love?
1: (laughs) Rather than going down the hole of talking about a job that they're just trying to get out or whatever it may be, maybe it's reshaping the conversation. And I think that's what started getting me thinking, okay, a title is a title and it is necessary for structures within organizations but it doesn't mean that someone is less than as a human being doesn't mean they can contribute less to society. And maybe there's ways that people can get better at advocating for themselves and their worth once they get past just the title piece.
0: No, definitely. And I totally agree. I, I look at it this way, um, in the business aspect, of especially it's like, you may get to a certain position and look down on someone, but you were in that position many, many years ago. And it's the same way for, you know, when on the job, they look for experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, when I, years ago, I was on like different job interviews and they wanted me to have like 10 years of experience. Like, listen, I've I've barely like, you know, (laughs) I've just been able to start working. How do you expect me to have 10 years of experience? Like, Um, Just the same way someone taught you, you should be, you know, willing to teach someone else because, you know, we're not just going to come right out the womb knowing how to do everything or have experience. So I think, you know, those two both coincide where it's like, listen, like you were in this position once before, help someone else out, bring them up to where you are because you're not going to be there forever. And you're you're just human, just like they are.
1: I think one of the ways of providing that support is giving honest and constructive feedback. I think there's a lot of stigma around like, oh, we don't want to offend. But if you Mm -hmm. find a way to openly communicate with someone to give them the Mm -hmm. feedback they need, that can then help them move up the ladder. It's extremely Mm -hmm. beneficial. I've been telling people more recently about how in one of my more recent jobs, my boss and I got to a conversation. And we talked about we reflected on a mistake that happened. But then we talked about a plan for the future. And we used the terminology mm-hmm. in the future, try doing it this way, instead of mm-hmm. just like beating a dead horse, right? Just,
0: like, like, you didn't do this, right? right. <laughs> like, but- that's not gonna make anyone feel good.
1: Right, let's peel it apart a little, see if there's anything we can learn, but then we'll put it aside and let's plan for the future. And I think that's super effective and it took me a very long time to get the constructive feedback I needed to learn and grow.
0: Mm I love it, I love it. So what is, let's say one quote, it doesn't have to be like verbatim someone's quote, but what's one thing that you've lived by to help get you through life, to help get you through your journey, and just be able to just live day to day and find your own success.
1: I really love Mother Teresa's quote, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. I think there's a lot of judgment and assumptions that happen before opening the doors and asking, how are you? And letting Mm -hmm. the conversation organically go into any direction it needs to go
0: hmm I love that. Um, you know, me, I'm really like judgmental free because listen, if especially if someone's not doing something in a way that I would do it in my life, I'm like, listen, that's not I'm I'm not living that life. That's that's their life. They can live it however they want to live it. And, you know, like if they want to me to come say something or you know whatever i'm not going to sit here and judge them for it i'm going to give them you know my advice on it and keep it moving i'm not going to sit here make you feel bad for what you're doing or you know how you're doing something everyone has their own right to do everything the way that they feel like it so i'm all for that (laughs) i'm all for that so what would you say is one thing you would tell women around the world um or anyone with a disability um, to just get them through and encourage them and empower them to just dream without limitations. I think you're a great example of, you know, anything is possible. We're all human. We can do anything. We can achieve, achieve anything that we put our mind to and create our own success. So what would you say to anyone?
1: I would say that one person's judgment is one person's judgment and one person's no is one person's no. So uh, you can take it and, and understand, obviously it, it took place, but, There are so many more people in the world that can Mm -hmm. support your passion. And those are the people you want to hang around with. And Mm -hmm. sometimes a no from someone gives you more fire to turn turn it into a yes, regardless (laughs) of people's feelings. I think there's a lot of hesitation around, I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid that it's going to go against what people think that I'm capable of. But no, just go after what you're passionate about and those who – deserve to be around you will support you.
0: Most definitely, I totally agree with that. Listen, let's keep going, let it push you um, harder, let it fuel your fire, and just do you because at the end of the day, something's gonna give. Something's going to be that right time and you can't give up on it. So I do want to give you the opportunity to allow anyone um, that is tuning into this episode today To know if they want to reach you or if they want to just follow your journey, how can they do that?
1: Of course. Anyone can go to the website BeckyMotivates.com, B-E-C-K-Y, M-O-T-I-V-A-T-E-S dot com. And most of my social media handles are with that, uh, Becky Motivates. And you can find me Becky Karn Kakula, Facebook, LinkedIn. Email becky motivates at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out, ask questions. Happy to support everyone on their journeys as they go for their dreams as well.
0: I love it. I love it. Great. Very motivational, very inspiring, and very empowering. I love, love, love your story. And I thank you for sharing it with us here today. I really, you know, just felt great about it. I felt like It can touch so many lives and inspire so many women to just dream without limitations and know that anything is possible, no matter who you are, what you have going on that is different from anyone else. And just know that, you know, there's someone in this world that is rooting for you. You just have to go out there and reach for the stars. Well, we thank you again, Becky, for sharing your story with us. So excited, Um, and we thank everyone for tuning in. This is Made to Dream. Once again, I'm your host, Maya Chanel, and we'll see you next time.